KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Rashawn Leak, and on the show tonight, it's a Utah Film Center takeover, y'all. So we got Leah Medley from Damn These Heels. She's a program manager. And then I got my peoples. I got Russell Roots. I got Asia Washington from Black, Bold, and Brilliant. And, you know, we got some things going on. We got some things to talk about. But first, I think we're going to, and I guess I should tell you, I'm uh, I'm riding solo, y'all, outside of my guests. I got no Laura. The training wheels are off. It's, it's go time. I got, you know, when mom's away, the cat will play. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and hold it down. I'm going to try and make Laura proud. And uh, we're, we're going to do our thing. We're going to do our thing. So first, I would say let's, uh, normally here's where I would introduce Laura and talk about uh, rallies and resources. But I'm on my own. So let's see what we got going on in, uh, in the neighborhood. All right. So being that today is Tuesday the 4th, we have, I'd say Thursday, we have a candlelight walk for domestic violence awareness. It's starting at 7 p.m. at the historic courthouse. That's 51 South University Ave in Provo. It's a free event, and it's hosted by the Refugee uh, Utah, Refugee Utah. Uh, October is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month, so it's a chance to really get out. You know, the Refugee Utah is holding a candlelight walk for domestic violence, and it's really just a a, a chance to show your love, whether or not you uh, know anybody who's been a part of that or affected by domestic violence, but it's just a chance to show up. If you heard the show last week, you heard that we had uh, Dia de la Muerta. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna I'm call it like I see it, y'all. You know, I, you know, I pronounce it wrong. I'll just be honest. Uh, I, I mean well, but my, but my uh, pronunciations—they're off. You know, I'm gonna be honest. But we, but there's a great event going on up in Ogden. It's uh, at the Ben Loman High School, 800 Jackson Ave, uh, and it's Day of the Dead. They're gonna have art, good for good family fun. They had a. A uh, young young lady last week, you know, twelve year old, just singing her heart out. She she killed it. If y'all heard it, then y'all already in the know. Uh, Friday, Friday, October twenty, October fourteenth, two thousand twenty two, barn party for prevention, at the Utah State Fair, the Grand Building. That's one fifty five North, one thousand West, and uh, all the proceeds go to benefit the Prevent Child Abuse Utah. So it's something that's near and dear to all of our hearts. Especially for me, you know, we I've talked about it. You know, I have kids, so let's go out there and support. See what else we got going on in the month. Oh, here's a good one. Thursday, October 20th, Bridges Out Poverty Training, 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the Community Action Services and Food Bank. That's 815 South Freedom Boulevard, and that's also Provo. Provo got it going on right now. Salt Lake, where y'all at? Let's get some events on this Rallies and Resources. Stop playing. Uh, also, we have uh, our first annual Bonnie Ball Street Festival and Mural Celebration. That's 10 o'clock to 4 at the Neighborhood Hive SLC. Way to go, SLC. Way to represent. That's also on the 22nd. That's Saturday. And it's 2065 East, 2100 South. And it's a family-friendly event, so get out there. But 
Since we got my peoples in here, let's get it started because I know that's what y'all really want to hear. Y'all don't want to hear me ramble on about events. So let's talk about it. Right here we have, so we'll start with Russell, Russell, Russell Roots, the, the Russell, the man, the myth, the legend. What's going on, Russ? Oh, what's up, Rashawn? What's up? Nothing, chilling. Oh, let me get you on. You're on mic for it. Let me get you. Go ahead again. Oh, what's up? Can Nothing. You hear me now? Yeah, I got you. I got oh, you work. now. And Leah Medley. Program. So is it program manager, Leah? Is that, is that what's going on? I'm actually covering for the program manager tonight. I am on the film selection committee. All right. Film selection committee. So I, 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 uh, I, I threw some lob balls at you. You know, I normally don't do this, but I know we had, you know, since it's not your normal gig, I, normally I, I come in and put you on the hot seat and just start firing questions at you. But I decided to be, you know, be, be a nice guy and uh, give you some stuff. So so let's start about what I like to do is we like to call it origin stories. So, Lee, I'm going to start with you. So what's your origin story when it comes to Damn These Heels? How did you get involved with this organization? Um, so I was connected with the Utah Film Center a little bit, having done an event previously with them um, for a flock party season launch party that they did. And through that connection, I found out about the opportunity to join the film selection committee. My motivation was really in providing some bi and non-binary representation to the committee. In so many cases, you see stuff like this go forward and there's just not an accurate or large amount of bi representation. There tends to also be a lot of straight washing and gay washing of the bi community. and then to a degree, a bit of erasure. So I just mm. wanted to make sure that we were well represented and accurately represented. And on the committee, I came to find out I was not the only one who felt that way. And there was actually a few other representatives as well. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I, I like that because obviously that's that, it's always rough. But I, I love that you you were able to really hone in on a, on a missing piece, it sounds like, because anybody who's listened to the show before, they know that, you know, we've we've always said representation matters. Is it so? I would say, for me, not being a part of that community, just and just being an ally, it, it's not something that we're very familiar with. I would say, I've I'm always I've been familiar with years of Damney's heels, but from my lens, I never even thought of the the difference. You know, when you when you think about LGBTQ plus movies, you just you know, and I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest and be vulnerable. Like I just assume that it, it would cover the cover of the rainbow spectrum, if you will. And obviously that's, you know, hearing from you today, that's something that's missing. So, so is that, so you say you went in purposely with the lens of, of that. Does that make it, does it make it a little harder to try and find that content that meets that need when, when you're, you know, you're not as, you're not as open to all movies. No, I don't want to say, no, I take that back. It's not that you're not as open to all movies, but you're going in looking for specific movies. Does that make it a little more difficult? I did anticipate that it was going to do so, but I found that in the sort of raw batch of movies that I was presented with, there was quite a bit of representation there to pick from. It was just a matter of identifying it and moving it forward. And in the initial pass, there was a little bit of gay washing going on with some films that actually had more bi representation than had initially been um, identified. So it was good to see that they were there and take that opportunity to sort of highlight this issue in representation and um, bring some really accurate representation to light. So you use two words that I'm, I'm not very familiar with, and I want to make sure that our, our listeners are also, uh, just in case we're not up to speed as well. Mm -hmm. So gay washing and erasure. 
So what what is gaywashing? So gaywashing is a tendency to present bisexual and non-binary issues as gay. So say you see someone who is very common for if you're bi, you're not a 50-50 split. And even the way bi is used, it tends to be used in a binary context these days. But originally it arose in a world that was heavily socialized to be binary as an alternative to homosexual or heterosexual. So it was never actually intended to be as binary as it's interpreted today. It was more like two aspects, not in the sense of like man or woman, but like attracted to those like myself and not like myself. Mm. So it was always intended to be more of a at least two, not an only two. And since it arose in a more binary context, societally speaking, you tend to see a lot of people who kind of go, well, this person doesn't fall right in the middle or this person showed a homosexual attracted, uh, attraction to this person, uh, this other in- individual, so they're gay. And even to this day, I know a lot of bisexual men specifically. I know a lot of bisexual women or those who present as female who feel that they are fetishized and the mm. men feel that they are under pressure to say, I am gay that they can't acknowledge that they actually have attraction to various genders and sexes. And I personally have friends to this day who struggle with this. And so it's very much on my agenda to try to highlight them and the fact that they exist, which leads us into erasure is um, gay washing leads to erasure, right? Erasure is sort of the ignoring of a certain sect of society or a certain underrepresented group. Many groups go through it and bi people are one of those groups. Wow, all right, well thank you for that education. And I think it, it leads into, into my next question because when you, when you hear that, and then I, I look at the history of Damney's Heels and I say we are embarking on 19 years. 19 years in a state that, well, uh, you know, everybody who listens probably tired of hearing me say I'm from Jersey, represent, represent. But it's very conservative. And here we are with a festival that is you know, a, a community that is very much a part of Salt Lake, a part of Utah. Are you surprised that a festival that like this that is that is really providing a space for our LGBTQ plus community that has been around this long? Um, I was surprised to hear about how long this had been going on in Salt Lake. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't. I feel like these types of things go on and they just gain more exposure over time. So knowing that it's been going on with increasing exposure over the years um, makes a little more sense to me. However, I don't typically think of Utah as being, you know, the most queer, friendly and representative state. But I was aware before I moved here that there is a hub here and both here in Salt Lake and then also down in Moab as well. So we have some hubs here for our people. I love it. I love it. All right. So so let's let's expand the conversation, if you will. I have I have Russell Roots in Asia, Washington from Bold Black or Black Bold and Brilliant. So let's bring y'all into the conversation. So I know Black Bold and Brilliant isn't embarking on 19 years, (laughs) but but still, with a with you know, when I first moved here, twelve coming up on twelve years ago, I remember joking with my wife that, 
you know, our population was one 1.8% black. I think that's what it was at the time. So, so are you surprised to see now, now how many years has Black, Bold and Brilliant been in existence? We are in our third year, is it Asia? Yeah, we started right after George Floyd was, was murdered. That was soon after that. So yeah, we're yeah, summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's. Well, first, before we jump into questions and me picking y'all brains, let's talk about y'all's origin stories. So, so what was what was the po- pivotal moment? Was it George Floyd where you said this? Like, we need we need more representation. We need people to understand our stories because, you know, obviously being, being a black man who who is who has uh, been in a lot of predominantly white spaces, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about our community and our culture. So was what was the driving point that really really spearheaded this? You know, I'm gonna <clears throat> step up here and say like uh, like Leah here, it's actually all about combating that erasure. You mm-hmm. know, it's like there's a I've said it before and I'll say it again that there's this 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 way within media where other people get to tell our stories and they're not telling our stories accurately. So I mean, like, you know, for how many years did we hear that? You know, I, I understand black culture because I saw The Wire. So, I mean, like, you know, it's going to it's still out there and it's like you've got to combat these this sort of like um, misinformation. And the Mm -hmm. way to do that is actually take control of the narrative and be able to tell your own stories and then tell what this media does to your community or how your community is represented through this media. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts on that, Asia? What what was the mic on me? Right. Yeah, I I know. You know, Russ, Russ be coming hard. He comes hard. So what what was your jumping off when you when you were really like this is this is it this is something that really really makes sense it's like right now it just makes sense to do this yeah I think when I started in this um, process I'll say um, it was with Frankie Bain shout out to her shout out to Frankie um, love you Frankie and uh, Billy Palmer at the time also came up with. Um, you know, the original idea for Black, Bold, and Brilliant. But prior to that, shortly after George Floyd's murder, um, Frankie had put together this, like, workshop on, like, anti-blackness and really gathered people in the community to have these conversations about anti-blackness and how it manifests and affects black people. And it was really impactful because it was, like, people on the ground talking to each other, pulling family members in who may not be open to having this conversation, especially with black people, (laughs) because they're unfortunately not going to listen to us when it's our experience, but they might listen to their daughter or their father or their cousin, brother, whoever, um, to have these conversations. And then I think from, from these conversations on anti-blackness, we kind of moved into like, well, we're not really connected to like the black community here. I think when I moved here, we were at two percent. You start at one point eight. I mean, you know, we can round up. We got hey, you know what? I'm all for rounding up, well, we AJ. That gives us a solid two. Yeah. <laughs> so what we got when I, you know, moved here, it, there weren't that many of us. So I'm like really trying to connect to as many black people as I can and this is a really good way through Black Bold and Brilliant to have these <clears throat> community conversations, like, okay. We know all this stuff is happening in the media, but like, how is that affecting black people in Salt Lake City? Mm -hmm. How's that affecting black people in Utah? Because it is having an effect. We were having our own protests and flipping cars over. Yeah, it got got a little wild and out of control for a hot second, but we reeled it back in. Which I was surprised to see so many people here in Salt Lake because you wouldn't think Salt Lake has people here that would do that. You just think it's very conservative and maybe anti black overall, but there were a good group of people that were willing to like 
stand up and say something. And so I think through Black, Bold, and Brilliant, it's been really nice to have these conversations and pull different people in, different perspectives to talk about this stuff. Yeah. I love that. And we were we were talking off air, uh, myself and Russell, before everybody got in. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this into the show. So recently, our one of our first uh, station managers, Donna Maldonado, passed away. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she was really pivotal for and what it was and she was known for around the station was giving a voice and elevating your community. Uh, we're here to give a voice to the voiceless. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to you know, leave that with you all. But how does that resonate to you with, with the work you do, Russell, Asia, and Leah, with the work that you do? How does that really resonate with when you're going out looking for a film and trying to make sure, you know, that what, you, what you're trying to display is embodied in, in the work that you want to present? Russ, you can start. You want to start, Russ? <laughs> oh, thanks, Rashawn. Uh, I mean, I think the thing is, is the first thing you really look at is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like, does this story really tell the story of your people and the communities you're familiar with? So I think um, starting off with authenticity and then looking for, um, you know, tales of validation, the things that basically bring nuance as well to the community. And if, if, if a if film or a piece of media can really do that, then that's something that is doing something special because I don't think that's often what you're going to find out of a lot of content out there these days, even though it is getting better. So I think the thing is, it's just really looking for, you know, authenticity, validation, and nuance to really start the conversation. And hopefully that film is saying something new and original because there's, again, a lot of films that aren't necessarily doing that. But if you can find that magic trifecta, I think you've got a winner. Nice. Yeah, I completely agree with Russell on all that. From the erasure standpoint, sometimes there's also a challenge of like recognizing are my people in this, mm. even if it's mm. undercover. So you kind of have to look through it with that nuance in mind of like, is the gay washing happening? Is there erasure? Is this person what they were presented to be? Is this character what they were presented to be? And then once you identify that, like, hey, I think I am in this and my people are in this, then you go on to, well, is that accurate? Is that authentic? Because it doesn't matter if you present an image of your community that isn't accurate and that doesn't really represent. So just being there is not enough, but when there's so much erasure over certain communities, that is the first and challenging step. They're killing Asia. I know, They're killing y'all it. are dropping the mic on me. Um, I feel like I grapple with this a little bit because sometimes I'm like, what, what makes a film or a show a black show or like a a gay show that that represents because I'm like I think it's hard to like quantify that I don't know um for example when I think of like a movie like The Color Purple I feel like in black culture you know that's we could quote that movie all day (laughs) but it's directed by a white man Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg and but it's based on a book by a black woman Alice Walker and it's full of these iconic black actors and actresses. And so it's like, what makes this a black film? Is it the representation of black life that was probably accurate for that time? Does it matter if there's a white director? It's just kind of, I think what you were saying, Leah, just kind of finally, are my people in this? And I feel like there's enough of us in some of these shows and movies to say like, okay, yeah, this is our thing. If the, Even if there were some other people that weren't directly from the community, 
And you also have to be careful that those people that aren't directly from the community aren't overtaking mm -hmm. <laughs> everything and changing the narrative that's there. And so it's a, I think it's a, a balance that you have to find there. So. So, so Leah, you 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 said something and it struck me and I and I, I don't know if I fully understand. So I want to dig into it. You said, are my people in this even if it's undercover? Yeah. So so what does that mean? Well, if you're looking at just the representation and you see gay washing, um, like one good example is Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, that's mm -hmm. been presented as a gay film. Right. But there's a lot of question of, are they really gay or are these bisexual men? And that was never actually fully answered in the film. It could be either. But it was presented and taken over and hailed as this is a gay film, this is a gay film, this is a gay film. So you have to look at it with a little more critical eye and go, is this um, or is this a bi film? Are is one of them gay and one of them's bi? Like these are questions that there's not always going to be a solid answer. But when you're looking for um, representation and shining light on something, you have to you can't listen to the way it's presented to you and you can't listen to what anyone else, even within your own community, says you have to critically look at it and pick it apart before you can even move on to is this accurate or any of those other steps. Right. It's interesting you say that I just I, I was down a rabbit hole and I just happened to watch an interview with Heath Ledger talking about that movie. And basically, they were getting a lot of flack because of exactly what you talked about. And what he was saying, what what he said that struck to me, that struck out to me is that he said this is a film about two people in love. Mm -hmm. What is, what are your thoughts on that? Do you does it, you feel like that's enough, or there, does there need to be that that calling card almost? Well, there doesn't have to be a calling card uh, per se. It's more about just not presenting it as a definitive something that it isn't. Mm. So it's not definitively gay. Right. There are queer aspects. Is that gay? Is that bi? Is that pan? You know, mm -hmm. that is not answered. It is a love story. And that is the most important part. But you don't have to look for a definitive calling card, but you do need to look for areas where it's been misrepresented and you can correct that. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. I like that a lot. So let's get into some of the films. So... So I know, like, what I, as somebody who, you know, I, I work with the Black, Bold, and Brilliant team, and I've, you know, I've, I've been in my computer late at night, like, just watching movies, so I know what I do. But what do y'all do when it comes to trying to find that, the right film that you feel are going to, are going to capture and move people and make people be like, I need, I need to go and check out the next event that Black, Bold, and Brilliant are doing. I need to make sure I am a part of Damney's Heels, and I need to go from Friday to Sunday. There's no playing. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna bring my food with me because I can't leave the theater. Um, okay, y'all know I'm being facetious. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? From my perspective, with my process, there's the things we already talked about, like mm -hmm. looking for the representation. But then beyond that, at the bottom line of everything, we're all people and we're all human. So there tends to be also this tendency to represent various different communities as a tiny slice of the whole of humanity. Mm. So it needs to be, for me, the films that I advocate for and the representation that I advocate for need to really do a good job of showing an authentic experience of this subsect of humanity while still overall pitching a story that at the bottom line comes across as a human story and highlights not only the realities of our specific subculture, but also 
the fact that we are just all people and that there's more of that and stuff that brings us together than the things that divide us apart. All right. So what, what film jumped out at you, Leah? I really like from our shorts. Um, Half was a really good example of the bi experience. And it was a little more, you know, targeted towards the bi experience, but it's still quirky and still just shows like people going through the stages of being people. Uh, Wildhood, The Closer, amazing film, amazing film. Good First Nations, indigenous representation, mm. really good non-binary queer gay like it just touches on a lot of things in overall it is a story of coming of age and finding yourself from a kid that just happens to be queer uh it's more about connecting with his roots his lost connection to the indigenous side of his family because his dad is white and his mom is indigenous mm -hmm. and his half brother's fully white and it's just it touches on a lot of really relevant issues and you don't feel like you're watching an indigenous film. You don't feel like you're watching a queer film. You're watching a film about a boy who's finding himself. All right. All right. And you're listening to Roundtable Tuesday edition of Radioactive and I'm Rashawn Leak. Uh, at 7 p.m. we have Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Eight, we have Late Night Lowdown with Connor. 10.30, Super Sounds with Chovy. And to wrap it all around, 6 o'clock, A Brand New Day with John Florence. So, so Russ and Asia, like, what, what are, what are y'all, you know, I, I know we've been talking about it a little bit, but what are y'all taking? When you're, when you're looking at a film, what are, what are you really trying to capture? I think a lot of times it's a, a film that just makes me go, wow. Mm -hmm. Like I see something that presents a perspective that I haven't seen or uh, just makes me have a conversation with myself where I'm like, I've got to find out more about this movie. And if I feel that that film can do that for me, you know, and I, I'm pretty cynical in all of this these days. But um, is it the old age? I mean, I'm just I'm confused. <laughs> Same age as you, Rashad. Oh, oh my, wow. Yeah, I guess it is the old age. Shots fired. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just the opportunity to really find something that just makes you, yeah, go wow. Mm -hmm. And if like if I can have a conversation and I can sit down and like start talking to people about it, if I'm talking to you, Rashawn, you Asia, and like we get hyped off talking about it, then that's the film I think for us. Right. Definitely. Um, I, I tend to gravitate towards more of the like, indie films, I would say, because I think they can take more license to present a story that they find meaningful. Big budget studio films don't usually <laughs> do that for me. So um, I don't know. I like real raw stories. Like, I don't know. Just give me the story and give me your truth mm -hmm. and present it how how you want people to see it not necessarily like an agenda i want you to like at the end of this movie come out with this <laughs> feeling like i think that's okay sometimes but sometimes it doesn't it's not executed very well it feels very preachy and kind of corny sometimes <laughs> so i'm that. like just give me the raw real <laughs> just want to know the story and I, I agree with what leah said like if i feel like oh wow this is like a true human story that I, I can connect with, even if it's not my intersections. Um, I, I really enjoy that. So. I was just going to ask that. Uh, like, does it does it help if you can see yourself in the story? And not so much maybe the characters, you know, or, or the main character, but if you can see it, like, you, you can relate. Like, you know, I think you were talking about it, Leah, like a coming-of-age story. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, 
you know, what is my identity? Because I, I feel like as as teenagers, we all kind of ask that question, like, who am I? Mm-hmm. So does, is that what really grips it? And you're like, if, if, if this hits me, I'm sure this is going to hit the masses. I look for stuff that I feel like hits me in a way that isn't wholly specific to my intersection. So mm. uh, I do want to see that to some extent included, just so people know we exist. Right, right. But I... I don't think that's going to reach mass audiences. And who does it help if other groups aren't relating to it and aren't watching it? What What's the point of preaching by people, preaching to by people that, hey, we're here? Like, yeah. that doesn't help <laughs> anything. We know we're here. Yeah. So that's where I come from on that. But I, I want to jump in for a second, though, and just push back on that a little bit. Sometimes mm-hmm. just the documentation mm-hmm. of that yeah. you existed is is worth the effort alone. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, we get these historical records. Like I think about the film Nation Time that we, you know, we showed yeah. for Black History Month previously. And a, this is a documentary shot in 1972 by William Greaves about a, a black caucus that took place in Ohio as they tried to influence the 1972 presidential election. And when I saw that film for the first time, I was like, my mind was blown as I thought about how in the world does this film exist? But then I just thought about it's a document. Mm-hmm. It is a piece of history that's telling a story that would have otherwise been forgotten. And even though it was recorded, it was forgotten until it was recently rediscovered. So it's like sometimes just the act of really being able to archive this stuff is worth the effort alone. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it's it's interesting hearing you say that because it, 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 it really brings me back to a point that Leah was making with Erasure. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it almost feels like like because I, I agree with you, uh, Leah, where it's you know, sometimes you have to make them like this movie. While it's nice to see it, if I'm if I'm making it for my peoples, who is going to see it? But then I think of and I bring your thought into it, Russ. And it's it's like if I'm sometimes I just need to make a movie about me for my people mm-hmm. so we can say, hey, this is mm-hmm. this is us. We're we're here. And so, you know, and, and I guess that that transitions to my next question. You know, now now we're in the you know, coming in the third year of Black, Bold, and Brilliant, you know, and, and looking back, you know, I don't I don't want to say shock because, you know, watching the program and, and sitting in the back, you know, watching it for the first two years and now being a part of it, it's very inspiring and it's really moving. But but what is what are some things that have shocked you now that you're in the third year? About the program itself? Yeah, about the program itself. Just how sticky it's been with all kinds of different people. Mm-hmm. They're, all these people are like, are you with Black, Bold, and Brilliant? And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is, this is great. But it's like just different people recognizing the name of the program and recognizing that, you know, the work that we do and they see the value. And I think that's the thing, just how sticky the value is because there just aren't a lot of other programs doing what we're doing here in this community and i think it's it's an extremely special and um unique opportunity to be able to do this and continue to do this with the support of utah film center and krcl mm-hmm. what, about, what about you asia what what are you you know sh- you know sh- and maybe shocked isn't isn't the right <laughs> word it's a way to handle that question for us but what you know but like shocked or surprised you know what i mean like excited like yeah. what what is it I'm pleasantly surprised that we made it through. I mean, we started in the pandemic and we were doing all of this online. And for the first time, we're going to have in-person events, which is a huge thing for us to to embark on. And so 
you know, I'm really excited for that. And, you know, I'm really proud of us for sticking to our vision. Like, I think it's very easy to be swayed and be like, oh, well, this will get a lot of viewers and this and that. And it's like, we don't want just a lot of people knowing us or knowing our name. We want the people who enjoy the sort of things that we enjoy and things that we like to talk about to also enjoy that with us. And so, like, we have our audience and I think it's a good group of, of people in the community and um, you know we're we're really staying true and authentic to, to who we are and I'm I'm really glad we've been able to do that for three years so that's awesome all right well let's take a pause and uh, you know pay some bills over here restoring ancestral winds will host rekindling harmony and balance indigenous healing from trauma from 10 to 5 on November 4th at the Salt Lake City Public Library. Conference presenters will provide attendees with content relevant to serving Native American populations who live in urban areas and tribal nations. More details at rockconference2022.eventbrite.com. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru, a community partner of YWCA Utah and the Stand Against Racism Challenge. Mark Miller Subaru loves diversity. Learn more at ywcautah.org and markmillersubaru.com. Little talking has never hurt nobody. So we got Russell Roots, Asia Washington from Black, Bold, and Brilliant, and Leah Medley from Damney's Heels in the station. And we're just having a, just having a round, round table Tuesday discussion. So one, I'd like to thank y'all for being here. And you know what? Let's let's bring it back. I, you know, there's there's something that jumped out at me when I was on uh, Damney's Heels website, and it really, it really resonated. And I and I hope it resonates with everybody because I'm gonna freely speak for all y'all. But <laughs> but uh, the name the the name of the show, you know, uh, Damney's Heels. I feel like it's something listeners need to know why the festival is called what it is. Russ, you want to handle that one? Sure. So the Damn These Heels f uh, Queer Film Festival got its name from the adage that empathy is built when you walk in another's shoes, experience their challenges, and see the world from a new point of view. The LGBTQ community, uh, community members that assist the festival also included the image of the high heel shoe as a symbol of living your authentic life. At times it could be painful, but at many times it could be beautiful and fabulous. Mm. So empathy. Empathy, walking in another person's shoes. I feel like a conversation like this, it's, it's, it's much needed. You know, and I, you know, Leah, you've been you've been dropping knowledge bombs, and I think, I think it's something that you know it, it really makes makes you think. Like, is, is that something that is is missing? And it's why, it maybe it's why Damney's heels are so important, and it's why we're seeing 19 years, and I'm hoping 19 more in the future, if not if not even longer. Do you feel like it's People just understand the the importance of of this of these films and and just this program in general. I think that goes back to the film selection that we try to include. Empathy is kind of the underlying thread and theme that goes through everything we've been talking about. Uh, trying to get support for your community, showing empathy empathy to those of you who are already a member of the community who already understand. Like Russell said, sometimes just documenting that I'm here is enough because somebody else needs to hear that and know they're not alone. But then also just connecting with those human stories that 
help bring that empathy across the lines to people who did not understand before. So I do think it's a major component in the success of the series and the festival. And what about what about y'all, uh, Russ and Asia? I know you know you use a term that I did I really liked, Russ. You said it was sticky, and I think that's <laughs> that that really resonates because you know I, I mean I'm I'm nobody, you know I'll call that like it is, but it's it, I think it's so much fun when I'm out and people are like, hey, you know, like I was out somewhere and someone was like, I I saw you at you know at, at Wild and Scenic, <laughs> you know, you know, I was like, oh, I was, oh boy, you know, because the, the first thought is I saw you somewhere, and I was like, oh, oh, oh no, you know, was I on my bike at least, you know, but but it's like, is that why you feel like our, our, like the program that we do is is so important, you know, it, it's really it's it's the message, it's making sure that you know people people get a, a little taste of of what what we bring to the table. Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, again, I think it goes back to us just being our authentic selves. I think we really do try to stay true to who we are and the stuff that we like to talk about, how we like to talk about it and present that. Um, and I think now in this season, what we're doing for the fall, we're really um, pushing to try some, some new things that I think will... Um, help I think other people also hopefully connect to to other people that may not um come from the same experience as as they do um and so that's why we definitely wanted to do a crossover with Black Bold and Brilliant and Damn These Heels to um again document that there are black queer people there are BIPOC queer people right here living and breathing in Salt Lake City um we had a great opportunity to go to uh the Burning Sissy Valley event and that was just awesome to see all these people of color celebrating um their existence essentially um yeah and so that was really cool yeah wow I don't know if I could say it better than that but um What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was more of just representation. Why mm-hmm. Why are the events that, you know, Damn These Heels and Black Bold and Brilliant, why, why is it so important? Because it's, again, it's, it's experiences and wisdom and um, just, just life stories coming from a place that is unique in this community. You know, these are, you know, two intentionally marginalized communities that have crossed paths in so many innumerable ways, you know, since uh, the beginning of time. And, you know, there are stories to be told and we're still always discovering new stories to tell about, you know, our individual respective communities, but, you know, our, our communities together as well. And um, the opportunity to do that just continually motivates me to try harder to, to work with, you know, all the tools we have available to, to get that done. Because, I mean, if, if we don't do it, it's not that someone else isn't going to do it necessarily. I think the greatest harm is that someone's going to do it and do it wrong. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we've got to keep, you know, got to keep that fire. We've got to stay motivated to make sure we can get it done ourselves. You know, community programming for the community is the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk about programming because I know we talked about so we, we touched on some of the events that Damney's Heels had. But what uh, what's coming up for Black, Bold and Brilliant? What do y'all got on the docket, if you will? <laughs> well, beyond our uh, Queering the Lens edition that we're doing at Damn These Heels on October 15th, uh, we're also doing uh, the – actually, that's October 15th at the Regent Street Black Box along with the rest of the Damn These Heels Fe- Queer Film Festival. We're doing uh, the Land Back edition where we're exploring the intersection between the Land Back movement and the indigenous communities and the reparations movement within black communities. 
And I think that's going to be a really, really interesting conversation as we uh, celebrate Indigenous Heritage Month. So I'm excited about that one. And then uh, in December, we're uh, going to be diving into our holiday edition, talking about black food. Soul food? We doing soul food, well, y'all? Pull up to the table. Yes. Uh, okay, let's go. Oh. I've been trying. Okay, so just so y'all know, I've been, I've been pestering them. We're not really going to play soul food, but I've been asking us <laughs> to play soul food because it's, uh, it's a black Christmas classic. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to take an opportunity to celebrate all of the, uh, the black food entrepreneurs who have really been coming up here in the Salt Lake area and... Uh, just kind of dive in with some clips and some different media to help kind of guide the conversation. But we're looking forward to uh, having a delicious time there for the holidays. I love it. I love it. So I want to I want to circle back, Russ, because you said something that really that really hit me. And I want to make sure that we we put it out there. And this is something that's for for both groups, really. It's for our, you know, Black, Bold and Brilliant. And it's also, I believe, something that uh, Damney's Heels deals with. And you said it's intentionally marginalized. So let's unpack that. What what does that mean for people who are un, unaware of those two words together? So there is the predominant community that often, you know, gets to to produce and gatekeep a lot of what is considered media in in the nation if not the world. And those communities that fall into the cracks, you know, that are often spoken about as marginalized communities be, it, you know, black, indigenous, uh, Chicano, what have you, you know, women, you mm-hmm. know, let let's let's do that transgender persons. Um, you know, all across the LGBTQ, you know, IA spectrum. But it's really um, acknowledging that these communities are not necessarily in their place because of some uh, f- fault or deficiency of their own, is that that these people are often at the point end of systemic, systematic oppression that puts them there and keeps them there. And it really is giving some um, accuracy to make sure that we really understand what that condition is so we can call it out, so we can do something about it. Leah, what's your thoughts on inter- intentionally marginalized? Um, it's it really hits close to home. It is true. Like people do not fall through the cracks by some random accident. In America, especially with the history of this country, it has been systematically designed that way. And a lot of that comes from the fact that if you divide various different people who have more in common than they do apart then they can't stand up against you and Mm. cause you to lose your place so it is about maintaining privilege in a certain group of people instead of sharing that around with other people who are just as deserving and as far as intentional marginalization I mean as someone who's female presenting I mean I do identify as fluid but as someone who's female presenting I have been physically assaulted for having the audacity to speak my mind. And as someone who is on the uh, Asperger's and autism spectrum, I have been physically assaulted just for thinking differently. So the idea that we walk through this world and these people of all, all of us, of all of these different groups are not being intentionally kept down, that it is intentional and anything that suggest otherwise is just it's either a blatant falsehood that someone is placing out there with the intent to keep you down or it is naive wishful thinking because it is a hard truth to face absolutely yeah it's a harsh reality (laughs) for sure um 
and it's definitely no fault of, of the communities that are are marginalized um I mean, under our, our system, under capitalism, mm-hmm. someone has to be at the bottom <laughs> and, and in order to keep people at the bottom so someone can benefit from it, you have to intentionally marginalize folks. And so, you know, there's always that rhetoric of pull yourself up by your bootstraps stuff. And that's just like not possible under these systems, um, no matter how much we try, even if we have a few token members of our <laughs> communities that make it most of us won't be able to to do that and and that's like that's the reality is that most of us can't rise above these circumstances because of these systems and we really need to like grapple with that (laughs) and really know that like okay we need to change these systems so that we these communities can like at least live a life that they find worth living and not always uh trying to survive instead of being able to live so and so I guess my, my follow-up question is is really for our listeners who, who might find themselves under the umbrella of this term. How do you how do you fight that? How do you I mean, because we are we're here to really shine a light on the on the positives that, you know, Black, Bold and Brilliant are bringing and Damney's Heels are bringing to not just Utah, you know, because we we have noticed that, you know, through through the social media and through, you know, the likes of youtube and other channels we are we're getting out there mm-hmm. so 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 people who are who find themselves in this how do how do you give them encouragement and how do you say like how do you keep pushing on because to your point asia it is it is hard and it, and and to your point leah and russ it it's not by accident mm-hmm. it is it is by design we we see it you know whether people want to plead willful ignorance it is it is something that marginalized communities deal with you know and and we and the the beauty of us as marginalized people is that we are so resilient, you know. And so how how do you say you know you you got this for so for people who are listening, and might be struggling right now. I think for me, um, especially being a social worker, I mean, I okay, talk to people go. all day, let's go. <laughs> kind of about Degreed. this stuff. <laughs> I can't. Um. <laughs> Uh, you know, I talk to people about this stuff, and again, I, I really do believe that we can at least hopefully um, design a life that we find worth living, and I think part of that's going to be us organizing in our communities to to change things so that we can get to the place where we're living and not just surviving. Um, I don't think we always have to look to a politician or a leader to do that, Um Again, there's more of us that are like marginalized than those of us that have like somehow transcended that, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, transcended race or, or whatever um, you're usually marginalized for. Um, there's so many of us that are still fighting, and like that's where we have so much in common across intersections. Oh, absolutely, like, absolutely across intersections. <laughs> and so I think if we could organize and know that we there are more people out there that are struggling just as much as we are we're not alone and you know there is hope that um i think that things can change what's your thoughts on that leah i mean yeah that all is so true and it just goes back to like there is solidarity in the struggle Mm. so that's how you can one way that you can look at it 
to find your strength and go to work. I mean, the struggle, that's your practice at your inner strength. Mm -hmm. That's how you practice it and exercise it. Mm -hmm. So the struggle makes you stronger and there's solidarity in that. And just keep going back to that. Every single time one of us is authentic, that brings strength and support to the movement. And just you just have to have the strength to be yourself. Every time something gets hard for me, and then I get through it, it just makes me more aware of the fact that if it's this hard for me, there's a thousand other people, a million other people that it's even harder for. And that creates a thread of connection and community between us all. I'm gonna preach. What about you, Russ? I'm gonna go a little unconventional and say you gotta <clears throat> do the things that have been spoken previously, but you also gotta practice a heavy amount of self care. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Like you gotta take care of yourself. Like get get your ass to therapy. Yeah. Yes. You know, <laughs> if if you have the opportunity to, do it. Like it is sometimes you can't find that community. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're out there on your own trying to do what it takes to stay above the waves and like, you know, if you have the opportunity to pay someone to be your cheerleader, mm -hmm. pay someone to be there to support you, to, to, to listen to you, to, to make sure you've got someone who has your back. And that's, that's ultimately important. If you can't find the, even if you can find the community, yeah, that's, that's cool. You know, that's, that's great. That's a plus, but I mean, even still, and at the smallest level, take care of yourself because you can't take care of others if you can't take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Woo! This has been uh, this, this is heavy, y'all. We've been we've been getting in it. So so to to circle back to our our all of our events, you know. So what are what are the socials? Where can where can people find Black Bold and Brilliant? Where can people find Damney's Heels? And why 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 for from our listener perspective, why should they show up to these events? What what are they gonna get out of it? Well, to start with the second thing first, if you like what you heard tonight, mm -hmm. come show up so oh, you can I know get they up. Did. I know they so did, much Russ. more. Yes. <laughs> so you can get so much more, whether it's at uh, Damn These Heels or Black, Bold, and Brilliant. But you can find Damn These Heels at damntheseheels.org. Um, that's the best place to keep up on all the information. Uh, as far as social media, you can go to um, Utah Film Center, you know, at Utah Film Center on across all the platforms. And for Black Bold and Brilliant across the platforms, we're at Black Bold Brilliant SLC. And then you can find out more information on the web via utahfilmcenter.org. Nice. All right. So now, so now what else? Why, 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 Leah? Why, why, are they, why do we need to go to Damn These Heels? We've done a really, we've really focused and done a lot of work on making sure there's really good representation across all the different aspects of the queer community and other communities with which we overlap so if you are queer if you're an ally if you just have interest in knowing more about what our experiences are like we put a lot of work into cultivating this collection to make sure that everyone is as well represented as possible as we can in a two-day and plus one additional opening night festival so i mean we put a lot of work into this and there I think that we did a really good job and it came out very, very inclusive and representative. There's also going to be opportunities for panels and performances and other experiences to augment just the film aspect of it. And it'll give you a chance to come. Yeah. Get more of this live in person. Also, if you can't do that, there will be an online component. Love it. Love it. All right. Asia, what about you? 
Or why? Yeah, or why? why? I mean, I definitely what Russell said. Um, like even in our meetings, we talk like this. <laughs> like, we are super <laughs> passionate about this stuff, and like we do work really hard behind the scenes to like find people in the community to talk to, talk about things that are relevant and happening um, to us, for us, by us. Um, and I think it's just really important. I think, our, of course, our voice matters. And this is a rare opportunity, I think, for us to like be able to say and kind of do what we want to do <laughs> with the program, even though it's under the Film Center's um, umbrella. Like, it's been really cool to like have that that power to like talk about what we want to talk about. And I, um, I'm just really grateful that we, we do have that space to to do that. I, I think uh, a lot of times that's that's not the case. So. I want to say one more thing about Damn These Heels, that um, we're really excited this year to be able to present the festival as a pay-what-you-can-afford model. Mm -hmm. So, like, for all this talk about community that we've been doing here for the past hour, like, we're really trying to walk the walk over there at the festival. And um, if you find yourself in a place where you can't afford what, you know, the normal ticket price would be, you can go to the website, uh, damnthesehills.org, and each of the films, if if not already available for free or an event that's available like free for free, like the Black Bold and Brilliant conversation we're going to have, um, all of the other con- festival content is available on a pay-what-you-can-afford model, which is a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. So please come through if you have the opportunity. We would love to see you there. I love it. I love it. And I, you know what? I, I know I asked that question, but I, but I really like that question. So I want to throw some two cents in there. <laughs> You know, honestly, you know, we we said it, we said it here, we we say it all the time. Representation matters, you know, and I think, I think the beauty the beauty of Damney's Heels is just that it's it's reaching out in in this state specifically. You know, I you know, being someone who's only lived in the state for twelve years, I was floored when I saw the rates of suicide and having lost a lot of friends back home to suicide it it just realized that there was a there was a piece missing you know usually there's something there's something that a lot of people feel that they're missing and and they just you know don't know what to do and then you you have an organization like utah film center and then you have a program like damn these heels who who really just puts out that branch you know lets you know that that you you have an arm you you have a home you have people that are truly you know they they even though they might not know you personally they really want to make sure you feel welcome and and you feel you feel a belonging and i think in this in this day and age when there's so much confusion there's so much strife there's so much condescension it it's so nice to find to find a home a, a home and and around a bunch of strangers which you know you might walk in as strangers and you leave as family and i think that's the beauty of programs like this and then you know, and then I, I, you know, selfishly, I, you know, I've, I've been a part of, uh, you know, Black Bold and Brilliant behind the scenes, just, just jumping in in the comments, and y'all, y'all hear me talk every week, so you know how I like to be in somebody's comments, but it, it's really something that's just, you know, it, it's, it's amazing, it, it's amazing because it, these, these are stories that don't get told. These are, you know, there, there, it's an opportunity to, to really pull back the curtain and get a, a, a piece of. Of culture that you might not be aware of and it's and and that and it's through that culture it's through that that opportunity to realize like you see one of our programs you know whether it be black bold and brilliant or damn these heels and you realize that 
we are so much more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the message. If there's ever, if there's ever a takeaway, it's really that, you know, people, people are just people, like Leah said earlier, it's, you know, we are, we're not out here trying to, you know, beat you in the head and say like, this is why we belong. You know, that's not it. It's, it's really, it's just that we out here doing our thing. Like you do your thing. You know, we, we wake up, we go to, you go to work, do our thing and we come home and we just out there trying to, trying to make a home and an existence. And, and what feels like sometimes a violent, a, a, a violent showing where you're like, I don't even know why I'm getting, getting all this heat for something as simple as just trying to live. And I think that's why these programs are so important. It's because people people don't want to protest. They are forced to protest. Mm-hmm. They're forced to protest because of a lack of understanding. And I think that's what people are missing. They think that people just want to jump on a soapbox and scream. And it's not that. It's that they're forced to jump on a soapbox and scream. So I really encourage everyone who's listening to get out there and show your support and just you know thank you for you know spending the last hour with us it's been it's been fun you know this is Rashawn Leak from Roundtable Tuesday edition of KRCL signing off y'all take care